if you've ever read uh, the, the Bible starting in Genesis, you'll read over and over again about this guy uh, starting in Genesis chapter 12, a guy named Abraham. And uh, he's called a, a friend of God. And, uh, you know, we, as we read the story about him, uh, it, pretty intriguing life. And so I want us to, uh, there's something that he continues to do over and over again, and that is he builds these altars. And I want to talk about the altars of Abraham. And uh, even though this is written some, you know, three, 4,000 years ago, how it still applies to us today that we can learn from these lessons in Abraham's life. Um, and so the first altar that uh, I want, to, want us to talk about and read about this morning is called the altar of protection. And the Lord said to Abram, uh, this is just the very beginning, this is the call of Abraham's life when uh, Abraham was still up in the what's called the Ur of the Chaldees, that would be Iraq, I believe, today. Um, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I want to tell you this is still true today about the Jewish people. I will bless those that bless you, and whosoever curses you, I will curse. And that's why a lot of Christians today are concerned about America's position toward Israel. It just seems like that, you know, uh, that we have uh, withdrawn kind of our hand and our stand with Israel over the last couple of years. But he says, I will bless those that bless you, and whosoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his, his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that he had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. And Abraham tra- or Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great trees of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. I want you to just pick this up. You know, twice he says, uh, just in a couple of verses, he mentions Canaan and uh, the Canaanites. He says, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Before I go any further, let me just tell you a little bit about the Canaanites. Uh, they were a ruthless people. They were an evil people. Uh, they killed their children. Um, it was, like, it was like, almost like Satanists today. And God moved Abraham from out of the land of the, of the Chaldees, of Ur of the Chaldees, and planted them right in the middle of this wicked people. And I know that for many of us, we think, and some of you may be thinking this morning, that God, I can't do anything where I am. I've got to get out of this place first before I can do anything. And I want to just tell you that just like God moved Abraham and brought him to this very wicked place uh, amongst the very wicked people, uh, that God was able to use him and establish him in that land. Uh, And God was able to protect him there. Psalm 32 says, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, these are called the promises of God. And this is what you have to hang on to. When you're going through life, and as we all kind of journey through life, we come to these different places where 
It's like, God, am I going to be able to make it here? I mean, you know, you've surrounded me with just like, there's some, some hard people that I have to be around. But God is saying that in the middle of that, in the middle of where you are, he says that he will protect you from trouble and surround you with songs of deliverance. And in John chapter 14, Jesus said, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, talking about the disciples, that would apply to us today. But my prayer is that you would protect them from the evil one. And so I want you to know that, that God's going to protect you. Wherever you are, he will send his angels to protect you. The second thing that I see in the altars that Abraham built, not only was there an altar of protection, but there was an altar of a corrected path. And we see that as uh, Abraham gets into, God called him into this promised land. But as soon as Abraham gets into the promised land, there's a famine in the land. And so Abraham decides on his, on his own that he needs to leave Canaan, he needs to live, leave Israel, and go down to Egypt and, and live there for a while. And so, you know, many times we, we kind of do the same thing. It's like God has called him, God had called him to the promised land, but on his own, uh, Abraham goes down to Egypt. And while he's in Egypt, he tells his wife, Sarai, uh, she, she was known Sarah later on, and he was known as Abraham later on. But she, he tells her, he says, look, when we get down there, you're a beautiful woman. And guys, that's a good thing to tell your wife from time to time. She said, you're, you're a beautiful woman, and when we get down there, they're going to kill me and, uh, you know, and, and take you. Um, and he says, so just tell them that you're my sister. And so she does that. And uh, all of a sudden, Pharaoh takes notice and brings her into his court. But all of a sudden, God begins to inflict serious diseases on Pharaoh in his household because, uh, Abram's wife, because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. He said, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say that she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything that he had. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. And Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. And from the Negev he went from a place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai. Uh, just think about this for a second. Uh, these names in the scripture mean something. Bethel means house of God. And Ai means place of ruin. And I think that Abraham, as he's there, and he builds another altar there, comes to this place where he built his first altar, and he's standing between the house of God and this place of ruin. And the, the thing that really strikes me about this passage of Scripture right here is that God, think about this, because some of you guys might be in this place today. God had called him to a certain place. God had called him to the promised land and said that he was going to establish him in the promised land. And yet Abraham, you know, in disobedience to God, goes down into Egypt and he's, uh, you know, living in Egypt and nothing is going to happen in Egypt. You know, we call Egypt today, when we talk about it, we talk about Egypt, it's uh, where God delivered the children of Israel, brought them out of Egypt and brought them up into the promised land. But when we talk about it today, we talk about Egypt as, as kind of like being the world. Uh, Egypt kind of represents sin and the world and worldliness. 
And I want to just say that I believe that some of you are in Egypt today. And just like Abraham, that if you don't stop what you're doing, if it's in disobedience to God, you're never going to get to that place where God, you know, your destination. God is saying, "I, I really want you to come out of this place of Egypt and into this place where I can really use you. I want to use you. And I believe that that was God's message to Abraham. I need to use you, but I can't use you in this place. I can't use you where you are. And so Abraham comes up. He comes out of Egypt, builds another altar there. And I believe that he just begins to, uh, really begins to worship God. Now, uh, in this place right here, we call this the, uh, the altar of a corrected path. And some of you need to be in that place today where you hear God and you understand that God wants to use you, but he can't use you in that place unless you let go. You've got to let go of the place that you're in today. Let me give you another example about David. Um, David had been, and his men, as they're running from King Saul, they're, they're kind of camped out into the wilderness. And David and his men have been kind of overseeing uh, a herd of uh, a, a flock of sheep, and um, he and his men are kind of like you know they're there protecting the shepherds that are watching these sheep, and all of a sudden David says to his men, uh, he says, "Go up to Nabal, and uh, tell Nabal that you know we need my, uh, our men need some food, we need some water, we need some wine and some figs, and and this would be the payment for uh, us kind of protecting your men, and uh, so." David sends the men, and they go up to Nabal, and Nabal says, you know, who's David? I could care less about David. You know, there are a lot of guys that have run away from their masters. Uh, You know, get out of here, basically, is what he said. And uh, David tells his, when he gets the word, he tells his men, he says, strap on your sword. He said, we are going to Nabal's household, and we will destroy everything and everyone that Nabal has. Nabal, his name means the fool, but he had a very wise wife, and her name was Abigail. And when she found out what uh, David had said and what Nabal had done, uh, she gathers food and wine and bread and figs and uh, all of this stuff, and she goes out to meet David, and she pleads with him. She's basically talking sense into him. Uh, And she says, you're about to make a grave mistake. Don't do this. Let's pick it up. And after she tells the story, David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord uh, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal, Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her, from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. Let me just share a story with you. I, you know, those of you that have been in the real estate business and I, you know, I grew up here in Santa Fe, kind of in the real estate market. I still do deal in real estate today, not as an active broker, but just buying and selling. Those of you, you know, some of you know the market has been absolutely terrible. I mean, it's just been like 
death, you know, for the last two or three years. I mean, it's famine in the real estate market. Although God has blessed some of you here in the church. I know real estate uh, brokers and salespeople here in the church that have, have absolutely been blessed. But I needed to make a sale. And uh, several months ago, I, uh, I got an offer on a piece of property. And it wasn't what I wanted. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I mean, there are a number of ways to play, play the game. You know, you can take a piece of property and price it so that you know someone, you know, is going to come to you and they're going to offer you less than what you want. Or, you know, you can just cut it to the chase and just say, you know, this is the bottom line. This is what I'm going to take. And so I got one of those offers where uh, this offer came in at about $5,000 less than I wanted for the property. And I just said, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Lord, I mean, I priced this thing right. I know that this is a good price for this piece of property. And uh, I just, I thought for a second, and I, my initial response was no, I, you know, and I you know, threw an attorney. I just said, yeah, I just tell him I'm not going to take it. And about an hour went by and I thought, you know what, man, I really need this sale. I need a sale to go through. And so I called the attorney and I said, uh, go ahead and tell them that uh, I'll take it. I'll take the $5,000 less. I hang up the phone. I'm not kidding you. And 30 seconds left, the guy calls me and says, hey, we'll pay your price. <laughs> and so I mean, I, this is, I believe that this is God intervening and protecting us from doing the wrong thing. And so I just want to encourage you guys that God is with you and God is dealing with you. And, uh, you know, listen to what the scripture says from Psalm 32. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I, would, I will advise you and watch over you. And, and sometimes we get like Abraham, called by God, friend of God. I mean, this is the man that God's going to use, but in the wrong place. We're in the wrong place. And, you know, let me just share with you how, you know, what that could mean for some of you today. Uh, some of you may be in a job that, you, you know, there's a better job out there for you. Uh, some of you are kind of like, you know, should I go to school or not go to school? You're wondering. Um, some of you are in a place of sin. And it's like, you know, it's just like sin has got a hold of you and you can't really move to the place that God wants you to be because you've got a hold of sin and sin's got a hold of you. And there needs to be a break. There needs to be a cutting, a separating from that. And so God's saying that, you know, through his Holy Spirit, I want to lead you and guide you. I'm going to prevent you from, like Abraham, I'm going to prevent you from staying in Egypt. Like David, I'm going to prevent you, I'm going to stop you if you'll listen to the voice of reason. I believe that Abigail's voice to David was the voice of God. I mean, I think that she was God in that place where he needed to hear some wise words. There are some of you today that need to hear there's some of you here today that need to be speaking. You know someone that's gone down the wrong trail, down the wrong path, and you need to be Abigail to them. You need to be speaking in their life. Is this making sense to anybody? All right. All right, we're going to keep going then. Listen to this, Psalm 23. He says that he guides me along the right path. God's guiding along the right path for his name's sake so that we can bring honor and glory to his name. You know, as I, as I was looking at this message and, and I thought, there are some things, you know, that we come to, we, you know, you, you get saved and you come to the Lord and uh, you start reading the word, you start hearing teachings 
And then, you know, a lot of the stuff has just got a, it's got a filter. Like, you know, is this what I really believe? Do I believe this? Is, I mean, this is what the Word says, but this church says this, and this church says that. This denomination believes this. You know, you've got to come to a place with what do you believe? What do you believe that the Word of God says? Now, have you ever heard this before, that God wants you to be in poverty? How many of you ever heard that, that God wants you to be in poverty? Come on, raise them up. I need to say, right, only one person, a few people have heard that. Okay. Um, how about this? I, I was listening to Jay Vernon McGee the other day. You know, he died about 15, 20 years ago, but it's, all of his stuff is still on tape. And I was listening to one of his messages, and this was about a time that uh, he had uh, developed cancer. And uh, he got a letter from a, a lady saying that, uh, I've been praying for you, and I'm praying that God will take you home. And he fired back, and he said, don't be praying like that for me. I don't want God to take me home. I want to live. I want to live. And, uh, you know, have you ever heard somebody say that, you know, that uh, if you've got sick, it's because God made you sick? You know, I mean, we never read in the Scripture where Jesus is going through the towns and somebody says, Lord, heal me. You know, Lord Jesus, I want my eyes, my, you know, heal my eyes. Or, you know, I'm crippled, I'm lame. You know, Lord, heal me. We never see Jesus saying, you know what, you just need to stay sick a little bit more. That'll glorify God. You know, it, it'll make you more humble. You never hear him saying that. He's just like, you know, the heart of him is just like, be healed. Be healed. You know, the leper comes out and says, Lord, if you're willing... And he says, if I'm willing, get up. I am willing. All right. Got off track there a little bit. Uh, the third is this altar of peace. Uh, when Abraham comes back from Egypt, we'll pick up the story. It says that Lot, this is his nephew, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot's. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites also were living in the land at that time. And so Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are brothers, and it's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. Now, honestly, what Lot should have said, Lot was just along for the ride. God didn't call Lot. God called Abraham. And God said to Abraham, I'm giving you this land. I'm giving you all of this land. And what Lot really should have said is, Abraham, my Lord, you know, I'm just with you. You choose first. I'll take whatever's left over. But Abraham gave him the opportunity. It says, and the two men parted company. Lot takes the best. And Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived in the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, listen to this, lift up your eyes. Now why do you say that? 
I think Abraham might have been sitting there looking at that land that Lot had just taken, that beautiful, lush valley. And I think he might have been thinking, man, God, I just gave away the store. What did I do? I, I think he was just like, you know, having a little heart check there. But God says to him, Abraham, lift up your eyes from where you are and look to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give you, you and your offspring forever. And I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Remember now, Abraham, Abraham didn't have uh, Isaac at that time. He says, go and walk the length of the land, uh, for I'm giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar. Here he goes, he's building an altar again. And I believe that this is that altar of peace, that God wants us to have peace in our lives. And let me just show you some scriptures that I believe that will uh, indicate that. The first blessing that God tells uh, Moses to uh, give to the children of Israel is this one. It's found in Numbers chapter uh, 6, verse 23. And he says to Moses and to uh, Aaron, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You said, well, that's just Old Testament. I'm glad you said that. Because in Mark chapter 5, this is the woman with the issue of blood. And she's concerned. You know people that are sick, people that have been, you know, uh, that you've known that have gone through diseases and that have been sick. You're worried, you know. Uh, you know, am, am I going to make it? You know, I, I remember being so sick one time, I, I was afraid I was going to die, and then I was afraid I was going to live. You know, I thought maybe dying might be better. But uh, he says to this woman, he says, this is the woman with the issue of blood. She just thought, if I can get up close, if I can touch him, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And, uh, you know, he goes through that whole dialogue with, you know, who touched me. And, and then he looks to her and he says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And then we see again in John chapter 20, uh, this is when the disciples, after Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, and uh, they see him that very first day, and there's rumors of him being raised from the dead. And it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace to you, peace to you. Uh, I believe that God wants us to have peace. And then finally, uh, this is called the altar of provision. We see Abraham creating, building one more altar. And, you know, when we think about it, and we're going to have an opportunity in a moment, but when we think about you know, and I, I, we, we talk about the altar of the church. You know, we talk about coming forward to the altar. That's typically the front of the church. It'd be like this wall. We use that wall over there, the north wall. But up here, you know, you might want to come and kneel at the altar. But these altars, I want you to think about this for a second. The altars that Abraham, and we see his uh, grandson or his son Isaac and, and Jacob building these altars. And you know, there's uh, several scriptures about how to construct this altar. I don't want you to go out and build an altar, okay? Um, but uh, this, is, this is what it was like. 
Now, uh, they would take some rocks and they would put them together. They couldn't be rocks that a tool was used on. They had to be natural rocks. They were stacked. And uh, when you looked at this altar, to you it probably would not look so good. I mean, the altar was covered with blood. The altar was covered with smoke and ash and soot, and it was black. And, uh, you know, it just, to us, it wouldn't look good. But to God, it was beautiful. It was pleasant. It was, it was a place where, you know, men and women would go, and they would just begin to worship God. I believe that Abraham goes and he builds this altar, and I don't think that it's out in the wilderness where, you know, people, where it's hid from people. I think it might be near a town or a village, and people would look and, and, and say, what's that guy doing? What's Abraham doing? And I believe that when they, when they looked at Abraham, and he, he's got this altar there, and he's got this sacrifice, and I don't think it was done in a secret. I think that Abraham was just like, God, thank you for delivering me from Egypt, and thank you for correcting my path, and God, thank you for protecting me from these Canaanites, Lord. I, I just worship you, and I bless you, and I praise you. And I don't think this was done in secret. I think there were others that were looking, and it's like, man, what's going on with Abraham? And then they would hear the story about what God had done in Abraham's life. We pick up in the altar of provision. Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. God had already spoke to him and he says, you know, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to offer him up. And uh, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, the place where God had told him to go. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we will worship, and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place where God had, had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Abraham's going up one side of the mountain, and the provision is coming up the other side of the mountain, completely out of his sight, Com couldn't, couldn't see it at all. I want you to know that that's the way that it is many times in our lives. We can't see it. We can't see what God is doing. Let me give you a couple of examples. Let me, well, let me finish the scripture. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. We call it Jehovah-Jireh. It means that God will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I want you to think about this for a second because when we think about what does God want from, for us in our life, 
Does God want you to be sick? I don't think so. Does God want you to be in poverty? I don't think he does. Does God want you to be fearful for your life? No, I don't think he does. I think God wants you to have peace. I think that God wants you to have plenty. I think he wants you to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. These are the things I believe that the Word of God teaches. I believe that God wants you to have abundant provision. Remember what the Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3? It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It's talking about our tithes and our offerings. I'm not going there, but I'm just telling you that it's difficult for us to honor the Lord in our poverty. Listen to this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditors... Why everybody's listening up, right? Got your attention. But now his creditors is coming to take away my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? To me, I always find this interesting. You know, what do you have? What do you have? I mean, isn't that the question that Jesus asked the disciples? What do we have? When 10,000 people wanted to be fed, Jesus said, what do you have? And they said, well, we got, here's what we got. We got 10,000 people that are hungry, and we got a little boy that has some fish and a couple of loaves of bread. And so they said, okay, steal his lunch. And uh, (laughs) no, that's not what they said. They said, you know, this is what's so cool about this is that they take the little kid's lunch and then they feed 10,000 people. They have 12 baskets left over and the little kid still has food. I mean, you know, that's the way, you know, but what do you have? And notice what she says initially, your servant has nothing. What do you got? I mean, what do you got that's going to get you out of the mess that you're in right now? And, and, and many of us would just say nothing. Well, I don't have anything. But, but wait a second, wait a second. I do have something. It says, your servant has nothing, nothing at all, she says, except for a small jar of olive oil. Where is it? We got a small jar. Look, probably about like this right here. I got a small, this is what I got. I got nothing. I got nothing except this. You know what? God can do so much with your nothing. He is able to do far more, greater than what we would ever ask or think. I have nothing except this little jar of oil. And Elisha says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars. And as And as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God, and he said, Listen to this. Now notice he didn't say when she was getting ready to, you know, he was saying, she was saying that, you know, the creditors are after 
her sons. They, they were going to have to be sold into slavery. The prophet doesn't say to her, well, you know, poverty is a good thing, lady. It's, it's good that you would be in poverty. I mean, you're going to bless God. You're blessing God by being in poverty and that you don't have anything. And don't ask God for money. Don't be asking God for money because poverty is a good place to be. That's not what he said to her. And she goes to the man of God and he says, go sell the oil and pay your debts, listen to this, and you and your sons can live on whatever's left. And I believe there was quite a bit left for her and her sons to live on. That, that's an amen baby style right there, okay? All right, guys. All right, so I believe that in these altars that we talk about this morning, this altar of provision, altar of protection, altar of, uh, of the... Uh, corrected pathway, the altar of peace. I believe that God wants you to experience that. I, want, I, I believe that God wants that to be a part of your life. 